What up? It's your boy Tommy G here with episode 23 of the No Mercy podcast. Today I'm joined by the GOAT, Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter, Roto World Senior Fantasy Football Analyst. We picked Evan's brain and talked a little bit about these trade deadline impacts, how this is going to affect guys like Cortland Sutton, Alshon Aguilar, Kiki Hopkins. Also went into some of the coaching situations, what Haley and Hugh are going to do to Duke Johnson. Are they going to get him more involved, how it affects Baker, how Amari Cooper is going to be acting now that he's in Dallas, if this affects their offense. Went into the 49er game, talked a little bit about Mullins, Mostert, some of the recap from that game. I asked Evan some questions about his 15,000-word articles, what's up with the water jug. You'll hear those as they come up. We talked Week 9 DFS, talked about a few players at each position that we're going to be targeting this week, and then we did the usual fuck, marry, kill. I kept it tame. I kept it tame. It's not Jeff Mann, so I kept it a little tamer. So it's a lot of sports-related fuck, marry, kills. Uh, And then we did a little bit of a rapid fire at the end where we talked about guys like Fournette and Dal Cook, uh, how our outlooks are on them for the second half of the season. So a lot of good info, a lot of good content, DFS, season long. I think you guys are going to love it. You guys want to get over to fantasyguruelite.com, guruelite.com. If you are already a VIP member, this already includes you. You're already in this package and in this promo. If you are not, if you are a regular content uh, customer for us, you can upgrade to the VIP by clicking the upgrade button on the homepage to get into the VIP package. And if you are not a member, we've just dropped the price of the VIP package to $99.97 for the rest of the season. That's a significant discount. It's like less than 10 bucks a week because it goes through the playoffs. And anyone who signs up for the VIP, upgrades to the VIP, or is already in the VIP will be emailed. So keep your eye on your email. You'll be emailed into a free roll where the winner will get $1,000. There'll be $3,000 in total price, prizes. That'll be on DraftKings. We're going to give other prizes too, like Guru Elite shirts and stuff like that. But $1,000 first place prize free roll. Uh, for those of you that are VIP members for Guru Elite, that free roll will take place on November 11th. And speaking of free rolls, fantasydraft.com. You guys should get over there. If you guys are depositing for the first time, you will basically be entered into a free roll over there by using promo code Guru Elite. And with that promo code, you'll be entered into a free roll, which they are giving out five free qualifier tickets. So $200 qualifier tickets over there on fantasydraft.com. I will put the link in my article for those of you who already have taken advantage of this uh, on this Saturday at guruelite.com. Obviously, you guys also know we've been lighting the fucking world on fire with our gambling package right now. I know for this basketball season, sports sheet is 34 and 13 right now. I've been tailing his picks basically every fucking day and just go into the window at the end of every night. I in the NFL package am 85, 58, and 4, up 41 units. Every single provider, we have eight providers for picks on our NFL side, is up. So you guys can get over there and sign up for the gambling packages too. We have specific packages for hockey, for basketball, and for football. So you'd want to check that out, guruelite.com. Without further ado, hit it, Miyagi. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? Let's get weird. It's your boy, Tommy G, here with episode 23 of the No Mercy podcast. Today, I am joined by a good friend and goat in the fantasy industry, at Evan Silva, Roto World Senior Fantasy Football Analyst. Mr. Silva, how are we today? 
Doing real well, man. Uh, just watched that uh, the Raiders 49ers game, which was a terrible game, but it was still kind of fun to watch uh, on Thursday night and uh, totally faded it on the Thursday through Monday slate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I, it crossed my mind to maybe play Nick Mullins. It, it, it really did cross my mind. I was probably never going to do it in the end, but you know, it would have been fun to have that sweat for sure on Thursday night. I- I actually faded Thursday night playing. I didn't play DFS at all yesterday, but I made a lot of bets and I hammered the 49ers. And I actually thought the Beathard news was good. I watched Mullins all through college and I was excited to see what he could do. Just, I don't understand why everyone was jumping off the Niners because, you know, Beathard was out. I personally don't think he's that good. But a couple things in that game while we're talking about it. Do you think there's a flash in the pan for Mullins? Because I love this kid's demeanor. I loved what I saw out of him in college. I think he's got that kind of mentality. I hate to say Favre because he went to school with him. So it sounds like an obvious mm-hmm. comparison. But he's got that swag to him that you want in a quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm big into preseason. And um, he actually had five turnovers on 93 preseason snaps, two fumbles and three interceptions. But when I, I watched him play, there were, and there were a couple of weeks where I just didn't play him in preseason DFS. And I was like, man, I should have played him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I, and I watched him and I was like, man, I kind of like this guy. His numbers aren't that great. You know, he did have two rushing touchdowns, which are huge and huge in uh, preseason DFS. You know, that will like tilt the slate when you get a quarterback who, uh, you know, scores a rushing touchdown. But um, there was something about him that I just kind of liked. He's got that and, swag. He's got know, that little, man. like, and the reason he turns the ball over a lot is because he doesn't give a fuck, you know? Like, right. it seemed like he was out there trying to win the job in preseason, you know? He wasn't yeah. playing scared or conservative. It backfired on him, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, Jimmy G's the long-term answer, but I, I think this kid's more than just the one-day flash in the pan, personally. I'll be interested to see. I mean, he's – it's his like athletic numbers are not good. He runs a four nine forty at under six foot one and two hundred fourteen pounds, but he he moves athletically. Like he's not he's not a chump athlete, you know. Even though he's right. like his combine or pro day numbers are bad, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, usually what happens with guys that are backups in the NFL is they'll have or very often, not, not necessarily usually, but they'll have some initial success mm-hmm. when they, they go in the lineup and then they'll continually get worse. And that's yeah. really what has happened with CJ Beathard. Yep. Um, you know, that's kind of like the, the mark of, of a backup and we'll, we'll see, man. I mean, he's, he's playing in a great uh, scheme. The offensive line is not, it's not, it's not terrible in San Francisco and he's kind of got that moxie as you described. Right. He's, he's kind of got some Tommy G in him. He doesn't have that much talent or skill, but it's basically just straight swag and nothing else. So <laughs> I know a lot about that. But yeah, the thing, the, the thing with him, I mean, we we'll, won't spend too much more time on him, but he's, he's someone who's going to be interesting. And you do have to factor in the fact that these guys usually do flash when they first come out because there's not much tape on them. You don't have much time to prepare for him. He was just announced in right before the game. So we'll see as the next you know, week or two goes on if he starts to regress. Another big thing that happened in that Niners game was the Mostert injury. Um, this guy fucking Jesus. I mean, last week I had him on my main lineup, and I think he saw the field for like 10 snaps. And then this week he was just going balls to the wall crazy. I think it was, what, 8 for 76 and a touchdown or some shit? And then snapped his arm in half. So that was egregious. That was gross. But from a fantasy perspective moving forward, we now have Alf Morris and Breida sitting there. And we know Breida hobbles off pretty much every game. What's your take on these two guys going forward? And is Alf Morris now someone on your radar? Yeah, I mean, I think that 
Kyle Shanahan is just kind of over Alf Morris or else he would have gotten a longer look, you know. Um, I think he wants to roll with the little explosive dudes. And Matt Breida, when he's been healthy, which has been very, very rare, has given him that. Um, at least with this, you know, the Thursday night game, like he's going to get a couple extra days. And then uh, they do have a bye coming up. But, I mean – yeah, they're 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 in bad shape at running back, and you know there's not necessarily. I mean, the trade deadline's passed. In? You think they're bringing someone else in? I mean, the trade deadline's passed. You know, so I mean, they're not going to go make any big move for a running back. You know, no, not Kyle, a big Kyle move. Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's dad was the first one to step up and say running backs don't matter. You know, yeah. he was the guy out here trading Clinton Portis for Champ Bailey, which yep. in, in hindsight, what an incredible trade. You yep. know, he was the guy out here playing Orlando Scary and getting thousand yard seasons out of Mike Anderson and, you know, Tatum Bell and, um, you know, a bunch of different running backs that he would just get off the scrap heap. And they did that in Washington too. You know, it would be Evan Royster one year, or it would be, you know, Alfred Morris who they got uh, in the sixth round, or it would be, you know, uh, Roy Hallou or, or whatever. Uh, but he was, he was the, really the originator of running backs don't matter. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, this is a situation I see them. I mean, obviously they're going to bring someone else onto the roster, but it's probably not going to be a big name. Why would you anyway? I mean, realistically, you should be trying to lose most of these games anyway for draft pick purposes. Uh, we know they're tanking in Oakland. John Gruden, national TV, that was disgusting. But the big thing here is, do you think Carr ends up in Oakland next year? Because I know we've heard a lot of the pathways to the Giants and rumors to the Giants. Carr is notoriously one of the guys who is one of the worst pressure passers, maybe in football history, but definitely over the last couple of years. His numbers under pressure are horrific. And with that, I think it's a terrible decision to send him to the Giants, who have offensive line troubles, who will keep him under pressure. But where do you think Carr ends up next year, and what do you think the Raiders do with a quarterback? Yeah, the first place that you need to start is looking at his contract, which I'm pulling up right now on uh, overthecap.com. Um, which is taking forever to pull up. But uh, from what I remember, the last time that I looked at it, uh, they can save a lot of cap room by moving on from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do absorb some dead money, uh, but it is mostly cap savings. And uh, so I think that that's definitely in play. I'm sure that they'll try to trade him first. Um, but, you know, with that monster contract and with how – I mean, he's just – he's a deficient player. You, you know, yeah, he's yeah. not – he he's not aggressive he's not you know a great athlete he's you know not a a downfield passer he's terrible under pressure runs into sacks I mean he's like I think he's like worse than Alex Smith I mean he's like he's he's, that's why I said almost historic like I mean it's one thing to look at the numbers and then god forbid we talk about watching the games on podcasts nowadays but if you watch (laughs) him like I mean he literally runs directly into sacks like it's it's I've never seen anything like it and he does it once or twice a game so, yeah, I, I I have no interest in him. Your boy Kittle, Kittle's been a Kittle's been a big Evan Silva guy. Dude's blowing up, absolutely out of control. One of the best catch and runs you'll see from a tight end last night. That kind of one handed grab over the middle for seventy yard touchdown. Um, dude's a beast. Are we? I mean, I've been talking about him in this category. I'm sure you have too. But we got to put him in that category with Ertz and Kelsey and guys like that. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Um, just to be specific, Derek Carr, if they cut him after the season, they'd say $15 million in cap room, uh, $7.5 million in dead money. So, I mean, I, I, again, about I, 60 sacks, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, with George Kittle, I mean, yeah, he's, he's like been quarterback proof, too, which is incredible for a tight end. I mean, not many tight ends are quarterback proof, yep. you know. And w- with George Kittle, I mean, 
he had a better spark score than Evan Ingram and David Njoku and OJ Howard coming out in last year's draft. Uh, he, you know, played in this archaic offense at, at Iowa and his receiving stats were terrible there. He just blocked the entire time that he was at Iowa. And then he caught a touchdown on 25% of his receptions at Iowa. Um, so I didn't I, – I watched him. I watched like three or four games of him before the draft but uh, in 2017, but I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. And then, um, and then, you know, I looked at his athleticism score and uh, PFF loved him. And, you know, those were two pretty solid, like, data points for him uh, coming out in the draft. And the 49ers took him in the fifth round, and he had immediate opportunity because they didn't really have – a good tight end there, you know? Um, so he was able to capitalize on, he was a starter as a rookie and he is now, I think officially a top five NFL tight end, if not top three. Yeah, he's top three. I, yeah. I won't, I'm putting him ahead of Gronk. I'm putting him ahead of everyone, but Kelsey and Ertz. So uh, that's the Niners game. I got a couple questions for you, Silva. Okay. So we like to fuck around on this podcast a little bit. I'm going to try and keep it a little tame for you because you're my boy. All right. So normally we're going to be doing some crazy shit, but my first question for you is, you have the matchup column on Roto World, which is probably, you know, the most read thing possibly in the entire industry, right? It's also extremely long. So that thing has more data and information in it, and everyone should go over to Roto World every week and check that out. But how long does it take you to write that fucking thing? And if you could please answer in 15,000 words or less. I mean, it just takes all week. You know, I started on the Thursday night the week before. You know, I started the week 10 one uh, last night. Um you know, I start writing about the Thursday night teams and then where the, when there are teams on buys, I start writing about the teams that are coming off their buys. And then uh, on Sunday night, I start really hitting it hard with the teams that I watch during the day, you know, with the, the teams that I watch uh, during the Thursday night game. And then on Monday, I'm just grinding every game that I haven't seen on game pass. And then uh, during the Monday night game, I'm writing aggressively. And then uh, that goes all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, with, you know, a bunch of daughter responsibilities mixed in, like taking her to school and taking her to dance class and feeding her. So um, it's it's a jam-packed week every week, and it's a lot of fun. But I, I'm definitely, like, already starting to look forward to uh, the football season ending, or at least just getting to the playoffs. The playoffs are, are uh, a lot of fun. It's, for any fucking content provider, that is the greatest time of year. Mm -hmm. Playoff, you'd think, like, oh, football's great. We love it. Why don't go 12 months a year? Fuck that. No. The playoff time is the best. I'm exhausted by the time playoff time comes around. So those short slates – Make shit a lot easier for guys like us. Um, right. What's up with the jug, Silva? Everyone wants to know. The water jug, it's kind of like I was the jag and you're the jug. What's, that, what's up with the water jug? I have my little Dasani water here, which you can't see, so I feel, okay. I feel inferior to you right now. <laughs> so I had an uncle, uh, may he rest in peace, that he would just never accept a, a small cup. And he was a huge dude, like six foot three, mm. 260. And I'm like 6'5", 270. And I mean, I can totally relate with his philosophy because I just can't drink anything out of, um, you know, other than something massive. Like I need a big cup, you know, what, whether it's alcohol or, or whatever. I mean, I need a massive cup. You know, I, I hate refilling my cup because regular cups are just like little shot glasses. So I've resor just resorted to using a jug. Um, and if you look in my refrigerator right now, there are four huge jugs filled with water. And I uh, actually have my daughter; uh, she drinks out of a huge jug too, which I think that's is it. Train, that's it. Make her tough right out the gate. It's a it's a manly thing. I do that. Like when I order, like uh, yeah. Mad Lab. You know our MMA guy, Mad Lab, who's a monster. He's like just a brick shit house. We will refuse to drink martinis out of a martini glass, right? Like I'll get vodka on a rocks or vodka straight up, but I have to have it in a pint glass 
or in yeah. rocks glass. I'm the same way. I don't like that. I still actually use, if you could see this, I know the listeners can't, but my wallet is actually just my cards with a rubber, rubber band around it. Because my grandfather was in the mafia and he used to always have the rubber band wallet. So amazing what we pulled from, uh, from the years past. Another question for you here, okay? Now this is something that I've been fucking in the middle of for a little while because it's, it's this fucktard draft sheet, okay? So no one knows when draft sheet's serious or not on Twitter. Right. But you guys have had like this little low key, like draft sheet fights with everyone. He's trying to fight the yeah. Podfather and then he's fighting Siege and then he's fighting me. But you've had this little low key kind of thing going on with draft sheet on Twitter where he keeps coming at you and needling you. And then you'll fire back once in a while. What the fuck's going on here? I know you guys get along, but what's going on with you and draft sheet? I mean, you know, and you know this, like if you meet draft sheet in real life, he's like, the nice yourself. Guy. No, no, he's like the nicest guy in the world. Draft sheet. Okay, well, I, this is how I view him. I mean, I, I think he's like you the haven't nice met him enough. All right, <laughs> I think he's like fun to hang out with. You know, I've hung out with him multiple times, and I mean, I hope that I get to hang out with him again at some point. And the, the Twitter beef is just like ridiculous. I actually talked to him on the phone uh, on Sunday after he won like 115 grand, and he told me that he felt like I was taking Fantasy Mansion side over his in their in their beef. And I told him, look, I, I had a chance to take shots at, at you draft cheat when when fantasy mansion and i did a podcast last week and i was like no I'm, I'm not taking any shots at draft cheat because he's he's my friend right you know i consider him a friend but um i think that that was <clears throat> at the core of it the draft cheat felt like i had sided with fantasy mansion against him which i told him on sunday like i didn't want to side with anyone because i just thought it was a stupid beef and it really should just be like for publicity and to give us something to right. talk about. Right. Exactly. And, and, and Fantasy Mansion's doing it again today. He's all of a sudden <laughs> brought back the old video and starts tweeting like crazy because he wants me to talk about him on the podcast. Sorry, right. dude, I'm not re-engaging in you. I already have buried you. But I know that's your boy, Silva. But And I feel like Fantasy Mansion is kind of an underdog in that fight anyway. Yeah, so. I, mean, like, I already like, you know, if yeah. I flicked him to the side. He's good. Draft Sheet can go fight him if he wants. But uh, so, so there's no beef with you in Draft Sheet. So no, I mean, I don't think that there is. All right, no, there is. I know there is, and I was just trying to fuel that one. Okay. Um, another question for you. You work with Davis Maddox. Davis Maddox's a kid who I who gets, you know, gets picked on a lot and poked fun at a lot just because he's fucking cool with it, right? Like, he could take it. He's a kid who I, on a couple different occasions, especially when he was first getting started, saw out, and I was like, I really like him. Like, I really like the kid. I'll fuck with him a little bit. But I do have a question. Um, why does he end every statement with a question mark? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a little Ron Burgundy-ish. Do we know the yeah. answer to that? So first of all, I mean, Davis Maddock has like the best fucking podcast that there is. I, I don't know, know how don't he know. does it, but I, I agree with you about the way that he ends every <laughs> sentence. Like, you know, uh, when we speak, when you and I speak sentences, we finish strong, right? right. But, like, but when man, Davis like, Maddock, like holding jugs. <laughs> right when he finishes sentences he tails off like hi like you described and i told him about this months ago i was like you need to fix this man um, but I, I think it's just a bad habit um, yeah. and and um it, it hasn't really made his podcast any worse or nah, anything, he's great. But, he's great. Yeah. i love him i love him yeah. but, but i think that if you listen to his podcast you definitely catch on to it oh like, you hear it he's got this weird little quirk you know everyone's got a tick right some people say right. um you know whatever it is but uh Here's my last question for you, then we'll get back to the football. So I've hung out with you drinking no, numerous times. I'm sure you have a bunch of stories about me that you can't share. <laughs> and I have none about you that I can't share outside of having good times with you. But you, you like everybody. 
right? Like that's the thing with Evan Silva. Everyone likes Evan Silva. Evan Silva likes everybody. This can't be fucking real. Like there, there has to be people that you don't like. So do you really just like that many people? And do you ever get jealous that people like me could just go out and go, you know, go fuck your mother. And like, you're just a good person with a good brand that doesn't do that. So what, what is it? Are you just that nice, Evan? Well, um, I, I like pretty much everyone in the, in the fantasy community because in the fantasy industry, like you are not even a blip on the radar unless you're a hard ass worker or because you contribute something that's kind of innovative, um, you know, and like I cover a sport where the way to get jobs in the NFL is almost entirely based on cronyism and nepotism. You know, you, hey, you're friends with the Maras. Hey, you get to be the Giants GM. You know, you run a, a terrible defense as a defensive coordinator. You, you somehow get a head coaching They'll job. They'll find a job, right? Right. Um, and, and, you know, still you're terrible and no one can explain how you stick around. Mike McCoy has been hired and oh fired, you know, three times within the last year and a half. My name's banned wow. from, this, from this podcast, then. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy, Marvin Lewis. I mean, you're not winning anything. Right. You know, for a sustained period and you're not making advancements uh, and you somehow get to keep your job. But in the fantasy industry, like no one pays attention to you unless you work hard. You bring something interesting or innovative to the, you know, to the, the arena. And um, I, I, you know, I respect anyone that is, you know, kind of innovative or, or interesting or really hard worker. And, you know, to me, the fantasy in industry is just com just chock full of people like that. Yeah, I disagree with you. I think half of them are douchebags and the other half are assholes. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So, uh, so let's talk about this trade deadline. I know you've probably talked about it on different outlets. I've talked about it a little bit, but I want your take on some of this stuff. So we, we know, you know, Hopkins and, you know, Tate and all the, all the big names, but I want to talk a little bit more about some of these smaller names that might benefit from these trades, right? So you, you could also talk about, you know, Demarius, Hopkins, guys like that. But let's go by team. Now we have Hopkins, Demarius, and, and Kiki on the same team. Um, what do you think DT's role is? Um, do you think he's an upgrade or downgrade from Fuller? And what are we looking at from Kiki here with DT arriving? He's a severe downgrade from Fuller. I mean, yeah. with Demarius. I, I agree. I, I got lit on fire for saying that last week. With Just Demarius, that. it's been like a steady decline, you know, and it's been going on for like four years. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been a crash. A lot of times, you know, people will just like dudes that are in decline will just crash with him. It's been a steady decline. Um, and, you know, I'm a big believer in quarterback rapport with their pass catchers because, yep. because number one, it's, it's quantifiable. And number two, whenever, like, I meet someone who played quarterback at any level, I always ask them about this, and they agree that there's always one pass catcher that they really trust and that when they are pressured or when they're trying to come from behind or they feel like they're in trouble, they feel like they can throw the rock to this dude. And for Deshaun Watson, that's it's DeAndre fun. Hopkins, you oh. know. I, th and, I thought you were talking comparing DT and Fuller, but yeah, no, from Hopkins' perspective, obviously, yeah. Yeah, um, so you know, people will, will talk about you know, it, will, will Kiki QT benefit from uh, Will Fuller, uh, you know, tearing his ACL? I, I think not. I think that DeAndre Hopkins actually benefits the most, and uh, Demarius Thomas just really doesn't even move the needle. Um, and and if you go back and look at like the splits, like on the Rotoviz um, game splits app. Um, DeAndre Hopkins averages like three more targets per game in his career when Will Fuller is out and Kiki QT still has these hamstring problems. And like this week he's facing, he's going to face Chris Harris and then he's got to buy next week. So I, I don't, he's not going to be usable until, you know, week 11 at the soonest. And I think that DeAndre Hopkins uh, can have games where he gets like 15, 16, 17 targets. 
I agree. I mean, I think this is just a Hopkins show now. I've never been a Kiki guy. Um, this whole year, I know I haven't, I haven't played him. I missed out on a couple opportunities with it, but I think the DT is a downgrade to Fuller. I, I, when you were talking about relationship, I think Fuller's relationship with, with Watson is, is just as important as Hopkins, right? Like he's got a real good chemistry with both those guys. So DT coming in, new offense, um, lower skill set, less speed. I think that's going to hurt what Watson does. Uh, Alshon, Aguilar, and Tate on the same team here. I mean, I think we could all assume that this is going to really hurt Aguilar, right? Yeah, I mean. He's the, he's the biggest loser in this. Golden Tate is a, is a volume monster, you know, everywhere he goes. And he's definitely going to hurt guys around him. I wouldn't even uh, rule out him hurting Zach Ertz a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zach Ertz has been getting double-digit targets every single week. And he may be a guy who we see, you know, move into like eight to 10 targets as opposed to, you know, 10 to 14 targets. Um, but there, there's no doubt that Nelson Aguilar gets hurt the most. I, and I, I suspect that we, we won't even see Aguilar on the field when the Eagles use two tight end sets, which they use uh, at the highest rate in the NFL with uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And the two receivers in, in those packages will be Alshon and Golden Tate. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, don't, I think everyone's worried about Alshon a little too much. I don't think this affects Alshon as much because he's such a different type of player from Tate. He's running totally different routes. Alshon's been able to thrive with Wentz. And really the thing about Alshon is he keeps getting in the fucking end zone. So you're still good. He's still going to be looking at Alshon once they get down the field. And I don't think he takes a big hit at all. Maybe a, maybe a slight tick down, but nothing much. Um, obviously the Denver situation we're looking at now, my dude, Cortland Sutton, who I fucking love. Watch this kid again all through college was really high on in my preseason guide. Drafting him every one of my season leagues, which allow you late round keepers. Um, I got a fucking boner right now, just excited for this Cortland Sutton outlay. I've actually played him in DFS um, on a lot of these shorter slates consistently, just because I love the kid's fucking skill set. So with DT gone, this opens up the doorway right here for Sanders, obviously maybe falling into like a DeAndre Hopkins type role where he just gets peppered with targets and then Cortland Sutton stepping up. And then obviously we have some smaller players that we're looking at there. Uh, which you may want to address too, and Patrick and some of these other guys. So talk to me about the Denver situation. So all the dudes benefit when you pull seven targets per game and 25% of the air yards out of the passing offense. And that's what we're doing. We're just ripping seven targets per game and 25% of the air yards out of, of the passing game. Um, uh, you know, I, and I, I – in week nine specifically, I mean, I think that the, the Broncos three receiver set is going to have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick outside with – Emmanuel Sanders in the slot uh, facing this Texan secondary that has dealt with just a, a ton of injuries. Um, and I think that in front of the home crowd in Denver with, you know, this, this longtime franchise star, Demarius Thomas, playing for the other team, playing in the actual mm-hmm. game, I think that the Broncos will, will be incentivized to force targets to Cortland Sutton to, to show the home crowd. They made the, the home, right decision. The home crowd is already pissed off because the team sucks, right? Right. And so, then the average fan's a fucking knucklehead and doesn't realize that Demarius Thomas has fallen off a cliff. The same exactly. way Cowboy fans didn't realize Des Bryant's fallen off a fucking cliff. So, yeah, I agree. Well, the, the knucklehead has shown up to the stadium in a Demarius Thomas jersey. Right, still. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Cortland Sutton has a good matchup. So, yeah, I'm definitely in on Sutton. And, and I think that Sanders also is, is uh, can be a beneficiary for sure. And I would not sleep on Tim Patrick at all. He's a really good athlete. Uh, he's big. He's made a couple of big plays this year. We're going to see him in a full-time role in week nine. Uh, and then the Broncos have their bye in week 10. And then, you know, we'll see because Deshaun Hamilton, uh, the fourth-round pick, who has played uh, a lot in the slot, 
so far. He may actually move Emmanuel Sanders outside. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but he's due back after their bye week. Right. Yeah, I got, I got him in a question coming up for you in a little bit. So uh, Duke Johnson now. This is a guy who I actually have been high on for a while, and I just don't know why they don't fucking use him more. So now we have Haley and Hugon, right? So that's a big shake up there. I, are they going to start using this fucking guy? Because the comments out of the interim here doesn't look like he's really trying to give us that much endorsement that, okay, now we're going to start unleashing Duke a little bit more and, you know, running him out all over the field and using him like, you know, like they used uh, David Johnson last year uh, in Arizona. But what's going to happen with Duke here? And then what happens with this coaching shift for any of the other Browns? I mean, Duke Johnson, you know, when Hugh Jackson was running the offense in 2016, 2017, he averaged fewer than 10 touches per game in both of those years. And it somehow got worse under Todd Haley because he's averaging five touches per game now. And, um, you know, Todd Haley was the guy who uh, brought the new Browns offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens, to Cleveland. Uh, So, I mean, we can hope, you know, we can hope. But hoping has not worked in, in a lot of years with Duke Johnson. Yep. And I, I have him in Dynasty, and I'm hoping. But it's, it's just hope, you, you know. Do you, and, do you – if you hold him right now in a non-Dynasty league, right, if you're in a redraft league right now and you're holding Duke Johnson, uh, I'm actually in a similar, similar situation to this. Mm-hmm. Do you try and sell him right now for more value than you could have got for him over the last few weeks and, you know, sell the person trading with you that, you know, the new coordinator, they're going to get him more involved? Or is this someone who you would much prefer to hold on to and see, even though next next time he touches the field, if he has three catches for twenty eight yards, you're sitting on him for the rest of the fucking year. Yeah, I mean, if and if Nick Chubb gets hurt, like he could be a league winner, right? You know. Yep. Um, the the thing is, they just have not thrown to their running backs at all this yeah. year. Like they, Baker's one of the lowest in the league right now. Yeah. Yeah, and part of it may be due to Baker because he's very aggressive. You know, he's always got his eyes downfield, and, and then he gets sacked. So it's, it's one or the other. He looks downfield too long, and then he, he, if he would just take half a second less to look downfield and just dump it off, he'd be fine. But he's, he's just tunnel vision down to make a big play on every play. Another guy who came up under Bruce Arians, and Freddie Kitchens uh, actually played quarterback when Bruce Arians was the OC at Alabama back in the late 90s. And then uh, Bruce Arians uh, brought Freddie Kitchens onto his coaching staff in Arizona. Um, but another guy who came up under Bruce Arians was Byron Leftwich, and we saw what he did last week uh, with Josh Rosen, dealing with a lot of similar problems with pass protection and a young quarterback. Uh, he used max, max protection. He um, used he they, they were heavy on screen plays. I would just I would love to see Duke Johnson like get opportunities on screens or wheel routes. You know, we just we have not seen them like design plays for him he's just he actually plays a lot of snaps i mean he plays like that's the annoying thing right that he's not the most annoying thing that's the most i'd almost rather him just because because that's what tempts you to keep starting him every seasonal and playing him in dfs when he's under 4k if he would just play fucking 15 snaps a game i wouldn't fucking go near him but the fact that he's always on the fucking field is what drives you nuts you know know. it's it's so fucking tilting if you can't tell i've lost a lot of money because of duke johnson this year um (laughs) Now, here's another one with Amari, obviously. Um, he's probably pretty happy getting a couple weeks off. But how does this change Dallas? Me and Jeff Manns talked about it earlier in the week. Um, and we were talking about how this is an upgrade to Zeke. And I don't think many people are talking about that. I just think the ability to get more first downs and move the chains is something that benefits running backs. And that's not something people factor in a lot. Everyone looks, oh, there's other weapons around them, which is going to give them more opportunity. Zeke's going to get his no matter what. The problem is it'll be less three and outs. So he'll be able to stay on the field longer, put longer drives together. What do you think of Amari? Um, 
I'm not high on him. I think the trade was atrocious, trading a first-round pick for a wide receiver. I do not agree with that, no matter how young he is, no matter how good you think he is. But And are we going to have to mute CSU Ram for basically the next three Sundays? No, I think that this is actually like one of the worst-case scenario landing spots for Amari Cooper. And it's not good. He's getting a worse quarterback, like, even, though, even though he didn't have a good quarterback to start. Because he and also because he's going from a Raiders offense that is twelfth in the NFL in pass attempts per game, second in completion rate, to a Cowboys offense that is 29th in pass attempts per game and twenty fourth in completion and rate. their pace, yeah. right? And then they, they play really, really slow. They you know they don't play a lot of they don't, they don't have a lot of plays. And Jason Garrett has come out and called uh, Amari Cooper like an elite outside number one receiver. And you know the, the, that's how the Cowboys view him. Obviously, they, they gave him a first-round pick. But Amari Cooper has always been better as a slot receiver. Yep. You know, beating press coverage on the outside. You know, Casey Hayward, like, for years has just eliminated him. Um, and, you know, beating press coverage on the outside has been a big problem for him. And if they're going to try to use him in that role, it, it, it's not going to be a success. I, I don't see how this is going to be a big impact. If you had to forecast the average game for Amari Cooper going forward, obviously he's going to have good matchups and bad matchups. Are we talking about a three for 45 guy here? Are we talking about a six for 60 guy? Where, where would you put him? I mean, you know, they're really going to ha- – They're, they're this, probably going to force the ball to him initially at least, right? That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, they give up Dez. so much for him. Yeah. They, they, you know, that's, that's a lot to give up for a dude with – essentially, you know, you're getting him for, what, a, a season and a half, mm-hmm. and next year his contract is $14 million. Right. And he and he leads the NFL in drops since 2016, and he can't win on the outside. So they're going to have to. I mean, they're going to be very much incentivized to force him to rock. So that that's kind of like the wild card. But I think that if they just, you know, put him in their offense, which is something that the Cowboys would do because they're terrible with adjustments. Terrible with everything. That they just drop him into their offense. Um, you know, he, he, he ain't going to do anything. He would be a three for 45 guy, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this whole trade made no fucking sense. Everyone's so focused on the fact that you can't trade a first-round pick for a wide receiver. It's not even that. It's what you just mentioned. It's the length of his contract. I get it that he's young. The problem with the fucking Cowboys is they are nowhere near ready to contend for a Super Bowl or a championship, especially in the NFC. You have the Vikings over there. You got the Saints over there. You got the Rams over there. The Bears have improved. The Panthers are better. They're like the fucking 10th best team in the NFC right now. So giving away a first-round pick, which could help you for years down the line if you go get some you know, generational-type player or even just a very good-type Pro Bowl player, yeah. what the fuck are they trying to do in this win-now moment? Like you can't, Even if Amari Cooper is 8 for 110 the rest of the year, they're still not beating the Rams. They're still not beating the Vikings. They're still not beating the Saints. So it doesn't make any fucking sense. I, I, I got a question for you. Where do you stand on the Saquon versus quarterback debate? Uh, I, I, you're a Giants I, fan, right? No, I'm a Jets fan, believe it or not. I okay, fucking Jets despise fan. the Giants, but I do live in Jersey, so that makes sense. I'm Yankees, yeah. so everyone thinks Yankees-Giants. Um, I don't talk about the Jets very much, so most people don't know about that. The, I, I was for it. I, I'm kind of in the middle on it to the point where I don't go by hard, fast rules like never draft a running back, never draft a wide receiver. Saquon, again, I watch more college football than probably anyone in the country. Like, all day, I just sit, sit home on Saturday and watch college football all day. So, the dude's a generational talent. When you have someone like a Saquon Barkley in the draft, yes, I will make the exception to go take a running back in that spot, even though the Giants needed a quarterback and they need linemen and they need defense. So, I was for it with Saquon, but normally I am team no running back. So, 
this, I'm, I'm, he's the exception in my mind. So I'm probably somewhere in the middle of this argument. Okay. That's probably like what draft sheet would say it's too. It's pretty probably. similar. It's pretty, our stances are pretty similar. And this is what I was okay. saying before Saquon, you know, proved that he is elite, but where do you stand on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally against it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very much pro quarterback, um, you know, but, and, and especially because of the way that their organization just operated and how delusional they were because, you know, and it all goes back to when Ben McAdoo benched Eli Manning. And so every move that they made, that they've made up until like last week when they started tra- trading off players was like charged at like, like emotion based decision making, you know, trying to make Eli great again. You well, know, these, yeah, these make, uh, make Eli great again. That, that's, <laughs> that was their, that was their pastime. You know, their, that was their, their, their quote, you know, their team quote for the last, you know, since, since Ben McAdoo benched Eli Manning. It's, it's just hysterical because they went from a situation, especially living in the New York media here, where they were running them out of fucking town. They were like, all of a sudden, before the draft, they were running them out of town. And then everyone's wondering if they're going to go take a quarterback and just replace Eli, get him the fuck out of here. Then they don't go that direction. And you're like, okay, they went Saquon. I get it. Uh, I'm personally not on team draft a quarterback in that spot ever. I'm on interior lineman and pass rush. That's I always say spend your high picks, trade down, go get value, get extra picks, and just build your interior line offensively and defensively. So I think just the flop rate of a lot of these quarterbacks is pretty high, especially when you got guys like Bridgewater and viable guys that you can win with sitting out there for a box of footballs. But the amazing thing to me was that they didn't draft a quarterback at all. And then they didn't even go get a Teddy Bridgewater or someone to put behind Eli. So they went from fuck this guy, he's done to now we got to rock with him and we have absolutely nothing behind him. That was the craziest part of all this. Well, they did draft Kyle Laletta who got arrested yeah. last week. Laletta. Um, and, but he couldn't even beat out Alex Tanny, Alex Tanny, the YouTube, uh, trick shot quarterback yeah. i mean alex Tanny is backup garbage, right um but uh it's i don't it's it's a really interesting debate and i like to hear like smart people talk about it because or know, me when, <laughs> 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 um i don't know let's let's move on yeah we can move past it but yeah it's it's going to be an interesting situation i just love seeing the giants fucking fall apart that's my favorite thing to do right so we're going to mix in a couple fuck marry kills here all right so i'm going to keep these more pc for you silva me and Jeff are doing shit like, you know, fuck, marry, kill. We're talking about like Stalin and shit like that. So I'm going to keep these topical for you, Evan. All right. This is just because it's our first show together on No Mercy. Next time I will have no mercy on your soul. But fuck, marry, kill. For those of you that are new listening, don't know how the game works. This is basically which one of these things is your favorite that you want to marry? Which one of these things do you put as like a fuck category, which is your second favorite? And then which one would you cut off and kill? So air yards, opportunity share and spark score. You got to fuck one, you got to marry one, you got to kill one. I mean, opportunity share and air yards are kind of similar. So I, I would uh, fuck and marry them. Okay. Um, with spark score, it's just a, a data point that gives us an, an idea of a player's athleticism. Okay. So being a good athlete definitely does not mean that you are good at football. Yes, you know, we, thank you. When, when, when you combine with, you know, being productive in college and looking like an NFL player on game tape and you combine that with having good uh, athleticism, uh, you know, uh, via spark scores, your, your probability of becoming an NFL success rises. You know, there are a lot of players who met those first two criteria uh, that, that had opportunity share uh, and, that, and that were productive. Um, 
but but they lacked the athleticism to be an NFL player. Jarvis Jones out of Georgia was like that. You know, the the pass rusher Laquan Treadwell has been like that. Uh, Dante Fowler uh, was uh, he was the number four pick in the draft, I believe, of the Jaguars, and he had uh, really bad athleticism. He's been a bust. Charles Harris, the the first round pick of the of the Dolphins from a couple of years ago, he's been a bust. He had terrible athleticism scores. Uh, the Chargers, Mike Williams has been a bust. Taco Charlton, the Cowboys' first round pick last year. You know, the, these guys had legitimate athletic deficiencies that were shown in pre-draft testing and the NFL teams that took them straight up ignored their pre-draft testing and, and they're paying for it with bus. I mean, I, I, so you're right. So you're killing spark. If you had to pay opportunity share over air yards. Um, yeah. Opportunity share over air yards. Yes. Yeah, I'm in the same thing. Spark score is dead to me. I mean, okay. spark score is something that, and it's one of these things like, you know, how Derek Cardi's on his fucking like interceptions are all random and fumbles are all random. It's like, watch a fucking football game. But I think people take something that is valid, <laughs> right? And then they turn it into this, like, I'm dying on this hill, right? Where it's like, spark score is obviously something we were all looking at once it started like, hey, we have this new tool that we could look at and see all the athleticism of this guy combined. But- it's not the be all end all. And that's what's happening in this fucking industry. They're basically taking something like spark score and they'll just look at someone and say, he's got a great spark score. He's going to be great. When in actuality, I think the more important thing, and me and Jeff have talked about this a ton, is the system that you're in. Look at Todd Gurley under Jeff Fisher and look at Todd Gurley under McVay. Like it's way more, I'd rather have someone with a worse spark score and less athleticism with a coach that has a good system and knows how to fucking use them than someone who's an athletic freak who's stuck with Jeff Fisher who's not going to know what to fucking do with them or a guy who can't catch a ball or like a Callaway who can't run routes. Like these are the things that we need to focus on. And I think this industry gets so hell bent on the new shiny tool that it ends up giving those of us that watch the games. And I know you're one of them, Evan, it gives us a little bit of an edge where we could say, okay, this dude is a freak athlete. He looks great on the field. He runs fast. He jumps, he does all that, but he's fucking running terrible routes, but he can't catch, but his quarterback doesn't trust him. You know, these, he can't block, you know, these the, things. The that ultimate example is like Kristen Michael. I mean, he is the oh, ultimate yeah. example. He, he, he wasn't productive in college, you know, and he was drafted straight from athleticism. I mean, NFL teams make this mistake. It's not yeah. just, you know, people on Twitter. NFL teams have made this mistake. I think Dan, people on Twitter are actually smarter than most of these fucking NFL teams. Honestly, watch some of these. I think the bottom end of the spark score is more important than the top end. Like yeah. if someone has a atrocious spark score, that means a hell of a lot more to me right. than someone's just a little bit more of a freak athlete than someone else. Cause we've seen this throughout history where, you know, it's football sense, it's football knowledge, it's durability, it's running routes, it's blocking and keeping yourself on the field and it's understanding the playbook. So, um, I, I agree with you there. I'm definitely killing spark score. Let's do a fuck another fuck, Mary kill here. These are three guys that are, Kind of on the radar, on the waiver wire radar. They should have been picked up in pretty much all leagues. You mentioned a couple of them already. So I'm going to go Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton when he's back healthy. So we'll talk for the rest of the year, right? Not just for this upcoming week. So Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton, and Brandon Powell. Who are you, the, who are you marrying for the rest of the year? Who are you fucking where you might play him in spots? And who are you killing because you have that little – Do much people money. even know who Brandon Powell is? I do. You do. I guess not. Maybe we should tell him. <laughs> you yeah, can elaborate he, on Brandon Powell. As you he go. led the Lions in preseason receiving. He is I love so him. small. I mean, he's I love so him. small. He, he's, he, he's quick. I mean, he's really quick. Um, 
you know, he was definitely a dude that you needed to be on in preseason DFS. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been active for one game, you know, and he's just so small. I mean, so I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. Oh, come on. You and fucking Jeff Manns with your fucking height supremacy. When are you guys going to realize that these little fucks are taking over the NFL? No, I, I, I agree the with The NFL you. is running around with fucking Cohens and Tyreek Hills and these little tiny fucktards, and they're dominant. Dude, this kid in Florida was a fucking beast, Brandon Powell. He is – yeah. like, you almost can't find him. He is. He's like 5'7". Right? That's he's true. You can't find him. That's and how these, small he is. These guys playing in the slot that you can't find – they get lost. Like, they literally get lost in the defense. And the next thing you know, I don't think he's going to be a volume for I'm, 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 I'm disagreeing with you, you fucking height supremacist. Okay. Well, okay. you guys over 6'2", Silva. But I, I'm <laughs> also people. not sure that he's going to get the opportunity because I think that they could use Theoretic in that role. I think that they could use TJ Jones. I think that they could maybe use, you know, the dude who scored a couple of touchdowns, Michael Roberts, in week seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could use him more, and, and you know, alongside Luke Wilson. They want to be a run-the-ball team. I don't know. I mean, that's that's why I'm going to kill him. But the usage, I, hope, I hope you're right because he would be a fun dude. If he succeeds, uh, he'd be a fun dude. Dude, the usage argument I give you on, uh, that I agree with. He does have a lot of people in his path, um, especially when you start talking about Riddick. So I, I can see it from that point. But um, what about Tim Patrick and Deshaun? I guess I'll Assuming marry – health. I'll marry Deshaun Hamilton because at least the Broncos like made some sort of commitment to him. They used a fourth round pick on Mm -hmm. him. They got Tim Patrick just, you know, off the scrap heap. I mean, Tim Patrick did not get drafted out of Utah. Um, But I think that Tim Patrick has the the best upside in the group and it's just going to come down to opportunity. I mean, he's, he ran four, four, seven coming out. He's big. You know, I watched a game of him and coming out of college against Adoree Jackson. He won the battle. Adoree Jackson was a first round pick. He was just hurt throughout his college career. And, you know, that's why he was undrafted. But he's made plays in the regular season. We've seen him make plays in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's going to come down to opportunity with him. But Deshaun Hamilton is likelier to get the opportunity because they invested a draft pick in him. I'm going to go – I agree with you on all that. Uh, I'm going to kill Tim Patrick just because I think what you said. I think Deshaun is the, is the star over there. If, if you had to put one or two of those as being the potential star – Plus, I love Cortland Sutton and I love Emmanuel Sanders. So there's a lot of mouths to feed, and we we both don't like don't hate uh, Hireman over there, you know. So this is a situation where there are a lot of mouths to feed. So I'm gonna actually, I'll probably marry Deshaun when he's healthy and when he's back. So I'm gonna marry Deshaun because I think he will kind of slot in for DT over there. So he has the best volume upside. I'm definitely fucking Brandon Powell. I might actually marry him just because I don't think he needs a lot of volume. That's one of the big things with him. You know, he could do it on one or two plays because he's explosive. So I don't think I'm going to need, you know, six, seven catches, six, seven targets out of him. I think with just a couple, he can make some shit happen and then kill him, Tim Patrick. So I'm with you. Here's the last fuck, Mary kill for you. Um, your hosts at RG. This is who, who soccer, Dave, Davis, Maddock and Tuttle. I'll put you on blast here, Silva. I'm going to tell him, too. We're going to tweet about this. So you don't have to fuck him, Silva. I'll talk about which ones I actually want to have sex with. But you could just talk about long-term, short-term, and who you, who you kill him out of that three. Well, I think that Tuttle is the hottest. You know, I, 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 would, I would fuck him. I'd marry I'd soccer, soccer Dave. Dave. personally. Oh, would you? Oof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd probably marry Soccer Dave. You know, we, we've actually eaten from the same plate before, Soccer Dave and I. Well, that's, that um, brings two men together more right. than anything. And I would kill Davis Maddock. <laughs> you would but, kill Davis Maddock? But at the last second, I would jump in the way of the bullet and I would save Davis Maddock and I'd take the bullet for Davis Maddock. Such a silver answer, that? killing no one. Um, I'm torn here because uh, 
I probably got to – I think soccer Dave – I'm going to kill soccer Dave, even though I think he fits every category. But I, lo- I love him so much. I just feel like he's older and he's, you know, he's, he's experienced more life. Poor young Davis really needs, you know, needs to get his – he's got a lot of life ahead of him. He's got a little, little learning to do. I feel like Tuttle – Tuttle's automatically the, my husband – for the simple fact that I saw one tweet from him recently, and I love all three of these guys, but I saw one tweet from him recently where he had his kids, I think it was at the Brewers game, he had his, his newborn baby at the Brewers game with the headphones on, the noise blockers, and right there, Tuttle, you had me. You can, you can father my children any day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck Maddox because I feel like if I turn him around with the long hair, I could probably still picture him being like a girl. And soccer Dave just dies by default <laughs> just because we've had, we've had our issues. I th- and I think Davis is smooth too, right? Like I feel like he's only got like three hairs on his body. So, you know, you spin him around and, and I, I could sell it that, that I'm with a woman in that situation. I'm sorry, David, but uh, soccer Dave's got to go. Let's talk some week nine DFS here, Selva. So this is, this is the obvious Carolina chalk week, right? Like we're right. going to see Cam, we're going to see fucking just Carolina ownership out the ass. So, First, I want to talk for a second about the difference between FanDuel and DraftKings because I've had a big issue with what DraftKings has been doing. And I play almost exclusively on DraftKings. And it's been driving me fucking nuts, the quarterback pricing. They're basically making the game too easy on DraftKings because the quarterbacks are too fucking cheap. If you look at someone like Cam Newton, and it's not just are they underpriced compared to other quarterbacks. All quarterbacks are way too cheap. It's fucking insane. Patrick Mahomes on any given week could be the highest scorer on the slate. Any given week. And he's $7,000. Meanwhile, you're looking at Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and Kareem Hunt and all these guys that are significantly more money than them. You look at Cam Newton at 6,600. We saw Drew Brees at 5,700 the other day. Phillip Rivers at 56. If DraftKings would just raise their fucking prices on their quarterbacks and make Mahomes 9K, make Cam this week 8,100, it would make the game tough again. But because you can punt quarterback even when you have a good quarterback, and then they refuse to fucking raise Gurley's price just because they're fucking insane. It's, it's making it a little too easy over there. So I think I'm – too easy makes it hard, actually, because it makes it easier for the lesser skilled people. I think I'm going to be heading over a little more to FanDuel this week than I have before. But what's your preferred site? Yeah, I mean, I'm – I feel like a dinosaur for this. But, you know, just the, the – like, I started playing on FanDuel, and so I've always played, no, that's, you know, it's vast majority on FanDuel. Yeah. Um, and I, I really don't have time to, to, um, you know, be setting on, on setting on multiple. That's what kills me. That's, that's the same thing with me. What, you know, when you're doing a thousand podcasts and shows and articles, you have kids, I have whores, you know, we, we all have this situation where it's like, I don't have time to do a whole slate of research on Fando and DraftKings. So um, this might be the first week that I start to move over, move it over, but let's talk about quarterback here. I'll go to Fando then since you're more Fando. So we'll stick to Fando pricing. Um, their pricing is a little bit better at quarterback. You got Mahomes at 9,500. You got to pay 8,600 for Cam. But I mean, Cam's going to be uber chalk, but who else are we looking at over there this week? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I've tried to talk myself into other dudes, you know. Uh, I mean, you certainly can talk yourself into Breeze and Jared Goff, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I'm, I'm playing Cam. You, you could talk yourself into Ryan Fitzpatrick for sure. I mean, at 7,100, 1,500 less than Cam. Uh, you know, he has been a top six fantasy quarterback in all three games where he played start to finish. The Panthers defense isn't real, real imposing. You know, uh, these weapons are great. The system is great. When he comes off the bench last week and he's a top 15 fantasy quarterback on the week in less than a half, right. you know, 
Um, and I, the, you know, the total has been moving up. So those are the, I think those are the four quarterbacks that I've been, that I'm looking at golf breeze, Fitzpatrick, cam. Um, I'm sure I'm missing someone, but you know, just all pretty the much the main four. This yeah. Year. I mean, that's literally, even when I'm looking at it, I'm trying to dig and, you know, I'll be, I'll be going on guru elite.com and giving away all the, the in-depth plays and all that. But I mean, I'm, it's hard to get off those four, man. I mean, it's really hard to get off Goff, especially in that situation for Goff. He's one that I think will come in under-owned compared to the others. Uh, with Cam and Fitzpatrick, I think he might slide down a little bit. Goff's someone who everyone talks about playing every week, but then come Sunday, like a lot of times they don't really pull the trigger on him because yep. they worry about Gurley's involvement at the goal line, right? So I think with New Orleans being good against a run, uh, this is a situation where we got to shoot out, and Goff's probably, probably going to be my guide if I fade Cam, but you could literally make an argument for making 150 lineups and playing Cam on all of them. Uh, it, you could literally make that argument. I agree. I agree. Which I would never say. And it's it's important to note about uh, uh, Goff that Cooper Cup is coming back, yep. which is you know that's his his guy in the red zone. And Saints have not been great in terms of pass rush, and they're going to be without Marcus Davenport, who has four sacks in the last five games, ten quarterback hurries in the last five games. You know he he kind of started slow, but he's really started to come on. Um, you know their first round pick they traded a 2019 first rounder to get him. Um, and him not being in there is just going to make life that much easier on Jared Goff. Yeah, and you're looking at a Saints team that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher since week one of the season. They're allowing, I think, under three yards per carry right now. And, you know, so I'm not on the girly regression train for the rest of the season like some maniacs are. But I am on this week that he's possibly fadeable. I, I do agree with that, especially at 11-2 on FanDuel. Um, and then you'd obviously pivot right over uh, to Jared Goff that's the situation. So I like that. Speaking of girly, 11-2 over there on FanDuel. Love what they did with the pricing. Still going to be high-owned, and for good reason, because he's Todd fucking Gurley. But 11200 is a little bit of a haul over there, Evan. I know, man. I mean, you got to play like – you got to play some bums. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. You got to play like Tim Patrick, Jermaine Curse. Yep. You know, I mean, Hoyerman. You make a shot, take a shot on Duke. You know, like – But see, that's what's good. Like, taking a shot on Duke is scary, and it's horrible, and it's disgusting. And I'm probably not going to do it. I'm definitely not doing it on my main lineup. But that's what DFS should be. You should have to make those decisions where if you want to play Gurley and Cam, you're going to have one, maybe two people in your lineup where you're going, oh, my God, I want to fucking kill myself. That's skill. That's where it's separate. Deciding between Tim Patrick and Hoyerman and Duke Johnson is what separates guys like us from the fucking shithead on DraftKings who just goes plug, 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 and all of a sudden they have a perfect team. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's it tough. is. So, I mean, girly, to girly or not to girly, um, that's one. And who else do you like if you're not going girly? Man, on FanDuel, I think he's too expensive. I don't think I'm going to play him in cash. I don't think know? this is the week. This isn't, this isn't the <sighs> week. so that. expensive. Yeah. So, who else, who else are you looking at? <clears throat> Latavius. We need to get the update on um, – on Dalvin Cook, Cook for sure. How, why would they even put him on the fucking field right now? Like, just sit, you got to buy next week. Just sit the fucking guy down. Exactly, exactly. Um, Kareem Hunt definitely against the Browns. I think Long that Nick Chubb is pretty interesting, actually. Uh, if the Browns can keep that game close, uh, that's a good matchup for him. Um, you know, but with him, like he doesn't catch passes, so you need two touchdowns for right. him to really hit. I mean, he or or he's got to have like he's got to break like. 
a couple of really big runs and have like 150 yards, yep. you know, because he's not going to supplement his, his box score with any, any receiving usage. Certainly Alvin Kamara, you know, um, I, uh, I don't are you know. Worried, are you worried about Kamara like going forward? I mean, just the usage basically and, and where it's been and if he's worth it. I mean, his price is down now. He's 8,000 over there. on yeah. So you're talking about a huge difference in price. $3,200. It's, it's almost a, a punt tight end difference away from Gurley. So it's a little easier there than on DraftKings. But what's your take on Kamara for the rest of the year? No, I mean, I think that uh, well, over the last five games last season, they really started to transition to Alvin Kamara as the lead back over Mark Ingram. And with the exception of that one game before the bye, the um, the, the Monday nighter against the, the, uh, the Redskins, yeah. where they could just kind of – do whatever they wanted because the Redskins were so bad in that game. Uh, they kind of just fed Mark Ingram to let him knock off some rust, and mm-hmm. they kind of you know just gave Alvin Kamara the re- you know some rest. But since then, like it's been Alvin Kamara. He's been the lead back. Yeah, he's the guy. He's not going to have twenty five touch games anymore. You know, but but um, he's going to consistently get eighteen. That's the thing. Like you know, right. you know what you're getting. Like you don't yeah. need. You don't need. This is where people get fucking confused you don't need 25 touches out of a guy that explosive especially if six of those touches are going to be receiving where he has much more opportunity to break off big plays than he would from from rushing the ball so i'm with you man dude i give me give me 17 touches a game out of him and i'm good let alone if he could hit you know 20 or you know 21 that's just a miracle so let's go let's go over any punt running backs that you're looking at this week if we needed to get down i mean it looks like it's kind of on Fanduel. I don't usually do much Fanduel analysis, but it's looking like all the running backs that are on my radar this week over there are payups. I agree with you on Lat Murray. Yeah. Um, I think you can make a case for Lamar Miller. Um, Carry on just worries me all the time, but there's really not much. I mean, we got to see what's going on with Melvin Gordon. Peyton Barber's situation may be interesting. I guess uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. How, how much is Lindsay? I haven't even looked at his price. Lindsay right now is Jersey Lindsay. Man, Lindsay so is sixty seven hundred playing okay. against Houston. So that's the same as Latavius. Mm-hmm. He's at home and favored. He got twenty one touches last week. He had a bunch of uh, runs that were called back by holding penalties. Yep, I saw it. Trust yeah. me, I rostered him. I was throwing shit in my living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was and then they kind of fell behind, <laughs> and you know Booker started playing a lot. I don't think they're going to necessarily fall behind this week. You know, they're coming off the road loss, going back home. Um, you know, facing a, a, a Texans team. I don't know the Texans are, are kind of like a wild card team. Like they could come out and have a great game. I feel like, but you know, the, the Broncos can rush the passer, and that is the big weakness for the Texans, especially on the road. Their their uh, their offensive line problems are exacerbated in road games. So I think that the te- I think the Broncos can play well here. And if I they- think the Broncos win this game. That's why it's going to be. We do the we do the betting package over there, at Guru Elite, and I'm yeah. fucking all in. I I love the Broncos this week. That's one of my uh, one of my top bets of the week. So I'm with you. And if that happens, obviously that's beneficial for running backs because you got proper game flow the whole game. Um, wide receiver, free square, Cortland Sutton, 5,500. We were talking about how if you want to get Gurley in, you need to punt somewhere. Being that you're going to get the tight end position, you can punt D, and then you get that automatic free square in Sutton. I don't blame the sites for this. Obviously, this took place after they did the pricing. So in those situations, I never knocked the sites. It's when they mispriced guys when they had an opportunity to do it before they put the pricing out. But he's a free square. So the question here is, you know, my decision comes down to can I afford to fade him at 5,500 if he's going to be 50% owned? Right. Um, you know, that, that's really what it comes down to. I'm normally in favor of fading wide receivers chalk. But 
being that I have such a fucking hard on for this kid since the off season, and this is the game against DT, it makes it really tough, man. If you do fade him, you know, build another lineup with him on it. You know, just don't full fade him. Mm-hmm. So. I, I agree with you. Um, the guy at the, at the same price, basically 5,300 is DJ Moore. That's our dude. Our two, we were the only two people in the world on him last week. And now everyone's yeah. like, it's DJ Moore week. It's like, no, fuck hearts. We called it last, last week. week. Yeah, right. assholes. Um, so you're big man, on him again this week? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if Torrey so. Smith is out, and Torrey Smith was out of practice on Wednesday and Thursday, and mm-hmm. you know, the matchup is even better this week. I mean, he, the dude is so explosive. He had 72 yards on one drive. Yep. last week and you know they running they, catching yep doing it yeah all. they they did not target anyone heavily last week I mean he actually led the team in targets with six mm-hmm. you know and and this could be more of a game where the, the the opposing offense you know forces them to like uh put put their foot on the gas a little bit more than the Ravens did last week and you know that could translate to a game where we get like seven or eight targets out of and, and that would be that would be really, really awesome. He's a really explosive player. You talk about spark wow. scores. He was – well, Dylan Cantrell was the, the number one spark receiver in this year's draft class. He's on IR, but DJ Moore was number two. And he's a I, I, huge fan. I have him in – him and Sutton were my two guys coming in. I'm like – because most of my leagues that I do, is the big home leagues, we do the tiered keepers where you can keep someone in the first ten rounds and keep someone in the last ten rounds. So I always I usually hunt for these guys like more in Cortland Sutton. So I got them both. So I got a tough decision to make next year on which one of those two I keep. Um, tight end position. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of Olsen uh, just because people like to target Tampa Bay because they're a fucking high school team. Yep. But, you know, we do have Kelsey probably in a better spot um, and a better player. So Kelsey may come in higher owned than Olsen. I wouldn't be completely floored. Um, and then my dude, O.J. Howard, who I'm always a fan of. I sat with Draft Sheet and Jeff Collins before his rookie year and was trying to explain to them how this kid is going to go down as the best tight end in football history. And I still feel that. I still feel that when this kid, this kid is going down as one of the most elite tight ends ever to play the game. But those are probably the three that are on my radar. Evan. What do you think of those three? Yeah, watching O.J. Howard at uh, Alabama, the one thing that bothered me about him was that, I mean, he caught, like, all of his passes on, like, pitch plays. You never right. saw him, like, <laughs> running routes downfield and, like, you know, you know, running like an, an in and, you know, beating someone. He, but, but, and then as I learned more about the Alabama offense, cause That's I'm not, what they do. Yeah. cause I'm not a big college guy. Well, and their quarterback was God awful. Jalen oh, hurts. Well, yeah. Jalen hurts so had the best last name for anyone with his skill set. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so as I, as I learned more about the Alabama offense, I was like, Oh, well that, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. And, and actually I wound up viewing it as a positive because if they like wanted to manufacture touches for him, just get the ball in his hands. And they, they knew that they couldn't with their terrible quarterback. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I, he is an unbelievable player. He's a great blocker too. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, Size, skill, speed, agility. He's got it all. And in this game, uh, the Panthers have allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends in the league, and the Bucks have allowed the second most fantasy points uh, to yep. tight ends in the league. Um, David Njoku is interesting to me. Where, where are you at on him? I fucking love him, man. I, I, you know, I even spotted him a couple times last year when he was fucking nobody. So I, I get made fun of because he's in my article every single fucking week. But last week was, was very brutal. That I needed like five points out of him, and he got zero. So – I don't let that affect me. The 5,200 price tag, I love, though. Anytime he's 5,200 on fantasy. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so cheap. Yeah. I mean. So, so, if you go in Joku, 
if you go Cortland Sutton, if you punt a defense, you know, you're, you're basically sitting there with enough salary to do whatever you want with your lineup. That's probably going to be a popular build. I'm, I'm all about punting tight end, you know, when I can. Like, last week I played friggin' Jeff Hoyerman, you know, and he scored a touchdown. So. I played Uzoma and, and Njoku, so. I think, yeah, I got a zero double zero. <laughs> I played Howard on my other team, but, yeah, zero catches from those two guys. Um, but, you know, at, at like, you can't justify playing Hoyerman at 4,600 when you can play Njoku at 5,200, I don't think. Right. Yes, yeah. I agree with you there. Defenses we won't talk about because defenses don't matter, right, Evan? <laughs> so uh, let's do this real quick. I know you got to get out of here in a minute. So I just want to do a quick rapid fire with you, okay? So I'm just going to give you a player's name, and we'll talk about this more from a seasonal perspective. What should we do with these guys? Is this a guy that you want to buy or want to sell? Okay, so we're rapid through this. Uh, Fournette. Fournette. Ooh, man. I guess buy, you know, probably buy. I mean – uh, it's, it's probably shaking, should have bought him man. last week, right? Yeah. Because like, now the closer yeah. we get to him coming back, the more you're paying. You probably could have got him for like 40 cents on the dollar two weeks ago. He he legit can be a difference maker. His buy will be out of the way. Yep. Um, you know, they, they hate their quarterback situation. So, I mean, he is a guy that if everything kind of breaks right for him, um, he definitely – he can be like a 25 to 30 touch per game that guy. Could be Leonard Fournette, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like 100%. Like the, the thing you want to do is you want to go target Fournette, especially if the team who has him is like, you know, under 500 and they need to win now. You'll get him cheaper. Um, Dal Cook, another question mark. What the fuck are we doing with this guy? Same thing as Fournette, right? Like similar situation? No, I don't think so. Because I think that when he comes back, he's going to share with Latavius. Don't you think Fournette might share it with Hyde and Yeldon and all that though now? Don't you think Maybe. they want him in or you think they're going full bore with Fournette? Maybe. Yeah, so Maybe. both of those seem kind of low on him, but with upside. James White with Sonny coming back. Um, I personally am still high on him. I think people are going to try to sell him a little bit now, those white owners, and I, I think that's a mistake. Yeah, he's led the team in targets in six of their first eight games, which is really impressive for a back. And, you know, their pass catchers are just not sure things. Like, Gronk is not healthy, you know. And Josh Gordon, like, you know, the next time he shows up late to something, they might yeah. cut him. Yep. You know, so even with Sony Michelle – and Sony Michelle has had knee problems, you know, on and off. Like, it's not like, oh, he, he might come back this week, but that doesn't mean that he's going to, you know, make it through. He's a little so, breed little breed-ish. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, he missed all of training camp with, with yeah. a knee problem. Yeah. Yes, he did. Feeling. Uh, who they've been forcing the ball to every week just to get him this 100 yards. Thielen a guy you want to sell high on right now, or is Thielen a guy you think is going to continue this for the rest of the year? No, I think – well, I mean, he, he won't necessarily get 100 yards every week, but I definitely think he's going to be a stud the rest of the way, top five fantasy receiver. Mahomes. Stud the rest of the way. I mean, the the, the thing that – you know, I think Tyreek Hill is a true difference maker. So if this injury starts to become a problem, I think that that could take some – take away some of his upside each week. Um, but my sense is that it's not a big injury. You know, he, he practiced each of the last two days. I think he's probably going to be fine. So I think that Pat Mahomes is not a sell. Is Gurley going to regress from a touchdown perspective the rest of the way? I mean, great offensive line, great coach, great offense. No, I think he's going to continue to score at a very, very high rate. I agree. Trubisky. Um. A little bit of a conundrum, right? Because you watch yeah. him. This is one of the things we're watching the games. You're right. like, how does this guy not fucking hit these open receivers? But he's kind of like white cam, right? Like he's going to rush for, you know, 50 yards a game. And he does just enough. And he's got weapons that are explosive, right? With Cohen and Gabriel, you don't need to make that many great throws because you probably got them 
you know, yakking it up after you throw him a quick slant to save you. So what's the he's, take here? He's a legit awesome runner. Oh, he's, he's incredible. He's, he's one of the best rushing quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. Yeah, he is, man. Um, but, yeah, he as a passer, he's – I mean, he's like Blake Bortles kind of. You oh, know, he, he loves throwing the ball in the crowd. You're like, yep. what the hell are you doing, man? Cross you know? his body in the red zone. Yeah, up seven. Yeah. Like, situations like that, too, yeah. I think you're going to want to play him against man coverage defenses that, you know, turn their back to the, the quarterback. The um, absolutely. We, yep. we saw that last week against the Jets. And I think, and you're going to want to play him in games where, um, where they are facing a team that can, you know, uh, push the pace against them. Yeah. 100%. Uh, like this week at Buffalo, I, I don't really like them. No, nothing. Um, no, because yeah. the coaches have to see what we're seeing. Right. So when you get a lead with Trubisky, you got to be sitting here right. like, let's dial this down before he does some dumb shit to fuck it up. So exactly. I agree. I, everything you just said, I actually made the same man comment, uh, man defense comment last week. Uh, Michael Thomas. Price is falling through the fucking floor on sites. He's going to be fairly yeah. popular this week, but do you buy um, low? He's almost, like, he's he almost becoming a he's almost becoming a buy low, Michael Thomas. I mean, just because so many people are you know kind of down on him because of how high he started off the season. But on Fanduel, he's eighty six hundred. But I think it's DraftKings where he's seventy six hundred on DraftKings. So that's like okay, yeah, you're getting in a high end mid range. You know, that's usually Emmanuel Sanders territory, like last year, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's usually where Landry and guys like that sit. So, what about Michael Thomas? I think he's a buy. You know, his in season long, like, his, his buy is out of the way. Um, you know, there's not another volume receiver there other than Kamara. Uh, it, it is a legitimate concern that they may start to become more run heavy, which we've seen. Well, that's, yeah, that's the concern. Yeah. That's why you probably get them for 80 cents on the dollar right now. Right. And right. I would go, I would but go. But their defense that. is still bad. Like, their defense is yeah. not like Especially it was last defense. year. Yeah, I agree. So they're gonna they're gonna be in shootouts, man. I, I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's a buy. David Johnson. Now I think everyone thought last week was the week, and I disagreed. Um, everyone was basically like David Johnson this week. If not this week, I'm getting rid of him. I think after the buy is the time you really want to fully judge him going forward. But where do you rank David Johnson? Obviously, he's not not a first round type talent the rest of the way. But what's your take on him going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that there were some promising signs. You know, I, I the the first step toward getting better. Uh, in, in anything really I think is just like identifying where you're weak and I think that Byron Leftwich showed that he I identified where the Cardinals are weak and you know he showed that hey we need to use more max protection hey we need to get the ball to David Johnson you know out in space hey you know we need to feed Larry Fitzgerald you know and um I think that that was a good first step. Now they have the bye, and they're going to be coming off the bye. It's the offense just does not have a lot of talent, you know. At at the end of the day, so um, definitely, like you know, I I don't think he's going to be a top five RB, you know. But but I think he can. I think he could be a top ten RB for sure. He's going to be. He's going to be a twenty touch guy, and you know. Yeah. Right. That's that's really what you need in that spot. So yeah, you're not selling him anymore. I know you got to get out of here. So let me give you two more. One is Gronk. What the fuck we doing with Gronk? This is this. Gronk didn't smash in Buffalo. That that is literally the epitome of a sign of oh fuck, something may be wrong. He, and he had his most routes run. He had his most targets mm-hmm. of the year, and he's just not getting open. He's not winning. And it seems like every time he falls, first of all, he's just been the the worst faller in the NFL for years. 
You know, he. <laughs> You'd rather see him get blasted over the fucking middle than fall. Like absolutely. Like, like he gets blasted and nothing happens to him, and all of a sudden you'll see him on a sideline trip, and the next thing you know, he's got a fucking shoulder injury or a knee injury. So all those falls, man, I feel like they're catching up to him. And now when you see him fall, you're just like, ugh. Yeah. You know, and he was out of practice on Thursday. So the, the recency bias definitely affects me there. You know, he, 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 he uh, his bias is still coming. Um, I, I'm going to lean away from buying him. And I hate that. I hate it. I'm with, I'm with you, dude. If I could, it, it's just a price play. If I can get him for 50 cents on the dollar because right. someone's literally done with him. I'm going to buy them. If I could sell them for 85 cents on the dollar, I'm going to sell them. So I'm kind of in that 65 to 70 cent range where I think is fair value. That's the stock trader in me. Last one I'll give you here, Russell Wilson, the Baldwin. Uh, we finally saw them come out after the break. Russell Wilson looked good, notoriously good after buys, notoriously a better second half player. But Baldwin, um, what do you think of this guy going forward? It is more basically going to be an enigma for any Baldwin holder. Uh, your, your problem is their commitment to the running game. And, uh, the fact that the, uh, Seahawks have 54 pass attempts over their last three games and that's how they want to play. And their defense has actually been pretty good, man. And it's been better it really than we hasn't been, thought it was going to be. Yeah. It, it, it hasn't been tested by very good offenses. So I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, this game against the chargers this week. Right. Um, yeah, they got Arizona, Oakland, Detroit, Dallas, Chicago, even Denver. These aren't right. Superstars. The Rams threw up 33 on them or whatever. But, yes. You know, that's what we want to see. We want to see these big offenses, what they can do. Yeah. So, um, but man, I, I, I don't know. Like I have Doug Baldwin in a lot of spots and he's super, super frustrating, you know. 5,700 on FanDuel Silver. It's like they're, wow. beg- it's like they're fucking begging you. To take the yeah. shot on him, it's just, it's just really hard to do. And the Chargers have been getting hurt in the slot, too. Yes, I know. That's, I'm, like, I'm sitting here like, dude, I could start Sutton and Baldwin this week and then you know play whoever the fuck I want everywhere else. So that's the tough decision on FanDuel over there. Um, his price on DraftKings, let me check right now, 5300 So I think he's even a better value on FanDuel. All right, Silva, I know you got to get out of here. Any final words, my dude? No, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It was fun. And uh, let, let's do it again sometime, maybe in the playoffs or something. 100%, brother. Let me know. Thanks for coming on. And uh, for all you listening, get over to GuruElite.com. Uh, I'm going to do a little promo at the beginning of this show that you guys already heard. But DFS, gambling, you name it, we got it over there. For Evan Silva, I am Tommy G. Good luck. Stay cashing, motherfuckers. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Ain't no mercy, ain't no mercy.